Isaiah 26 verse 3 says that God will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in you. What an amazing promise. When your mind is completely focused on God, having total confidence in him, no matter what may be happening around you, God promises to keep you in a place of complete safety. A place where you're able to experience a quiet contentment and a soundness of mind, all because you're trusting in Him. Well, welcome to the Point of Purity podcast. I'm your host, Steve Etner, author, national speaker, and purity coach for the Pure Man Ministry. In this episode, we're going to look at 1 Peter 5, verses 8 and 9, which warns us to be self-controlled and alert because our enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So let's dive into this week's episode entitled, Duped, Deceived, and Delivered. In the opener to this episode, I quoted Isaiah 26, verse 3. It says that God will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast. The scriptures describe that kind of peace as the peace of God which transcends all understanding. It's a perfect peace that will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, Philippians 4, 7. God's word promises that the one who trusts in the Lord whose confidence is in him, will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream, and it does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought, and it never fails to bear fruit. Jeremiah 17, verses 7 and 8. I want to submit that that's why Satan's number one strategy in his attack upon your soul is to try to influence your mind. What you think becomes what you do. And Satan knows if he can successfully get you to listen to and believe his lies, then he'll be able to lead you away from that sincere and pure devotion that is in Christ, 2 Corinthians 11.3. Joshua chapter 1, verse 7 says, Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all that the law of Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go, Joshua 1.7. Think about this. Single-hearted devotion, according to Joshua 1.7, indicates that your mind is totally focused on God, not King me. If you have single-hearted devotion to Christ, your life is going to glorify God and it's going to point others to the Savior. To keep God, now listen, to keep God from being the focus of your heart, the enemy is going to wage an all-out attack on your mind. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11, that we're not unaware of Satan's schemes. We don't have to go into this battle ignorant of the tactics that the enemy is going to try to bring to play into our lives. What strategy is Satan likely to use in his attack on your mind? James warns us in James 1 verse 22 to not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Here's my point. That's exactly what Satan wants to do to you and to me. He wants us to be deceived. In fact, we find in the Bible that Satan is a master at deception. Jesus said in John 8 verses 43 and 44 that Satan does not hold to the truth. There is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar, and he is the father of lies, John eight forty three and 44. 
In Revelation chapter 12, verse 9, it says that Satan is that ancient serpent who leads the whole world astray. Satan is a master deceiver. And the truth is, no one knows that better than Adam and Eve. Listen as I read to you Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, Oh, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. But God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman. God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened. You'll be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eyes, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She, excuse me, she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. And then the eyes of them both were opened, and they realized they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Genesis 3. 1 through 7. Did you ever stop to consider Satan's strategy in the Garden of Eden and, and, and what you and I might be able to learn from that strategy as it relates to the battle that we face? Remember, Satan is a master deceiver. So when he sought to lead Adam and Eve into sin, he started by attacking Eve's mind. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3, Paul says, I'm afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. Satan is after your mind. Now, I want you to note in that verse that Eve was deceived by the cunning, by the subtle craftiness of Satan. God's warning to us through scriptures is that even today, Even here, right now, your mind can be easily led astray by that same deceit if you're not on guard. That's why Proverbs 4.23 commands us to, above all else, guard your heart. Well, Satan used some simple steps to deceive Eve and to get her to believe his lie. He began with a seemingly innocent question. In Genesis 1 verse 3, it tells us, that he said, I mean, chapter 3, verse 1, he said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Now, I, I find it very interesting that Satan didn't actually deny that God had spoken. He didn't try to get Eve to believe that, well, God never actually said anything that was really important. He just simply posed a question, a question that was meant to cast the smallest sliver of doubt in Eve's mind. Did God really say what you think he said? Maybe you're mistaken. Maybe maybe you just misunderstood him. Well, this attack on her mind was subtly geared to just simply cast a tiny little bit of doubt upon God's word. So how did Eve respond? Well, let's look at her response in Genesis 3 verse 2. The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. Now stop here for a moment. Here's what I want you to notice. We can see from Eve's response that the seed of doubt has already begun to sprout in her mind. Think about what she said. 
and then compare it with what God actually said. Eve said in Genesis 3 verse 2, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. But in Genesis chapter 2 verse 16, here's what God actually said. You are free to eat from any tree in the garden. Now, close examination and comparison of Genesis 2.16 and chapter 3, verse 2 reveals that Eve had already received Satan's suggestion and she began to doubt God in her mind. What was the result of that doubt? It caused her to actually take away part of God's word. Let me explain. Did, did, did you catch the key word that Eve conveniently left out? Let me repeat Genesis 3, 2. Eve said, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. But in Genesis 2, 16, God said, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden. You see, she omitted the word free. God said they were free to eat from any tree in the garden. It was a God-given privilege, not a self-imposed right. Now, someone listening to this may sit here and try to argue, well, Steve, you're just being a little nitpicky. I mean, after all, what's so significant about a a simple little word as free? So what if she left that out? Well, let me answer that by saying this. We need to start by taking a look at the statement Jesus made in Matthew 5, verses 17 through 18. Here's what he said. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. I tell you the truth. Until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of the pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Matthew five seventeen and 18. Now, here's why I draw your attention to what Jesus said there. Jesus refers to the smallest letter and the least stroke of the pen. I really like how the King James Version uses the words jot and tittle. You see, the jot refers to the smallest letter in the Hebrew alphabet. It's called the Yoda, Y-O-D-H. And I may not be pronouncing it correctly, but that's how I do it, Yoda. It's a small but powerful letter in the Hebrew alphabet. Um, When when you actually look at this particular letter, the the jot, the size of this Hebrew letter, it, it occupies proportionally about the same amount of space on the page as our English apostrophe. It's a small letter, but it is a letter in the Hebrew alphabet. So although the jot is the smallest Hebrew letter, it's just as important and powerful as any other letter in the Hebrew alphabet. Think think about it this way. Letters spell words, right? Words compose sentences. That's how we communicate. Sentences make God's promises. So how you spell a word is, is important. The spelling of a word determines the meaning and the purpose of that word. That in turn influences the point of the sentence which contains that word. Let me give you an example. Let's think for a moment about the word spring. S-P-R-I-N-G. Spring. Now that word has a specific meaning. However, if we spell that word differently, We just change one letter in the word. You're going to get a totally different word with a completely different meaning. Let's remove the letter G in spring, S-P-R-I-N-G. Let's remove the letter G and replace it with the letter T, S-P-R-I-N-T. You suddenly have a totally different word. 
the word spring now becomes sprint. That one letter changed everything. You see, spring has a totally different meaning from the word sprint. Here's my point. A single letter changes the word, which changes the meaning, which drastically alters the point of the sentence. Jesus' promise in Matthew chapter 5 is is that not one jot, not a single letter in Scripture, in any of the words of Scripture, not a single letter would ever fail. Every word is inspired by God. Every word. Which of necessity means that every letter making up the words are inspired as well. Let that sink in. God says what he means, and he means what he says, every letter of it. Well, Jesus also talks in Matthew chapter 5 about the least stroke of a pen. That, that's called a tittle, T-I-T-T-L-E. In the Hebrew language, a tittle is even smaller than a jot. You see, a jot is an, actually a whole letter. A tittle is part of the letter. The presence of a tittle forms a specific letter. If the tittle's there, it's this letter. If the tittle's absent, then it's a different letter. Now, I'm sure I probably have you confused. Try to track with me here. Let's, let's think about it this way. <clears throat> Excuse me. We just established the importance of individual words, making up the sentence, making up the promises. We also talked about how each letter makes up the word. Now, let me give you an example of a tittle, and, and, and we're going to use the English language to help you understand. So we're going to begin with the word fun, F-U-N, fun. Now, obviously, <clears throat> excuse me, the word fun has a specific meaning. We can relate to that. We can identify with that. But we're going to add a simple little tittle to the first letter, F. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to add a half circle to the right side of the letter F. In other words, we're going to form the letter P. Can you picture that in your mind? We're adding a curve connecting the top horizontal line of the letter F to the middle horizontal line, and we've created now the letter P. You tracking with me? That's a tittle. That curve is a tittle. By adding that simple tittle, we've changed the word from fun to pun. It has a totally different meaning, doesn't it? Now, let's add another tittle to the first letter of this new word, pun. This time, we're going to add a backward slash to the letter P. We're going to create a different letter. We're going to now have the letter R. You following with me? By adding that stroke, that tittle to the letter P, we've created a totally different letter, which creates a totally different word, which creates a totally different meaning. So in our example, we've gone from fun to pun, to run, all by adding a simple little tittle to the first letter. Can you begin to see how important that tittle is? The, the point here is this. Jesus declared in Matthew 5 that all of God's promises will be fulfilled precisely as they were spelled out, letter for letter, stroke for stroke. In other words, not just the words of Scripture are important, But the dotting of the I and the crossing of the T, if you will, that's equally as important and inspired by God. Listen, my friend, every word of Scripture, which includes every letter, every stroke of the letter, is God-breathed. 
Now let's go back to our initial question. What is so significant about Eve's choice to exclude the word free? God views all of his word, every letter of his word, very seriously. And so should we. Speaking about the book of Revelation in the Bible, God says, If anyone takes the words away from this book of prophecy, God will take away from him his share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this book, Revelation twenty-two nineteen. In other words, every word of Scripture is important to God. Now think with me for a moment about this. If every word is important to God, then I submit it should be equally as important to you and me. Satan planted that tiny seed of doubt in Eve's mind. She let herself think about it. And then her response to the devil was tainted. By omitting the word free, Eve made God appear to be miserly, selfishly holding back something from them, something that they deserved That in turn meant that God was actually really all about himself and he didn't care about them. That's the the seed of doubt germinating within her mind. So the removal of just one word made God into something that he's not. Well, even today, you and I must be very careful that we not take away from God's word. When we begin to doubt God's word, not going to him for the answers to our questions and and even the answers to our doubts, we'll find that it is much easier to forget what he really said and begin to detract from what he has said. And eventually, we will disobey his word and his will. It becomes easier to sin. Listen, my friend, Satan wants to deceive your mind. He wants to draw you away from the simplicity that is in Christ. Just as he did with Eve, he'll begin by getting you to question God's word. Listen, all all he wants you to do is to begin to ask yourself the question, did God really say that? When the devil is able to get you to question God's word, the next step is to get you to deny the truth of what God actually said. And we're going to expand more on this topic in next week's episode entitled, Say It Ain't True. But for right now, in closing, I'd like to introduce you to a brand new, exceptional resource for parents to help parents engage their children in a healthy, godly way as they talk with their kids about the topic of sex. You see, our kids don't yet know how to guard their heart. And it's our job as parents, it's even our job as grandparents to help our children and our grandchildren navigate the, the muddied waters of sexuality, especially in today's day and age. The truth is, 75% of parents think that their kids have not, their young kids especially, have not been exposed to pornography. They, they're, they're, they're living in a bubble. But the fact is, over 51% of kids between the ages of 11 and 13 have already seen hardcore pornography, and many of those kids have seen it multiple times. In fact, it is, it is determined right now that the earliest age that a child is exposed to pornography is as early as eight years old. Listen, parents, don't let porn teach your kids about sex. Now, I got to admit, as a parent and even as a grandparent, 
it's very easy to feel unprepared for the sex talk with your kids. And we think if we can just sit them down just one time and have this birds and bees discussion, all is good. But we need a plan. And with the right plan, with solid training parents, you can have what it takes to not only educate your children, but equip them for the battle that they're already on the battlefield facing for the battle for purity. So to that end, the reason I'm talking about this is because I'm excited, I am pumped to introduce you to a brand new, powerful, comprehensive video course just for parents. It's entitled The Sex Talk. This is a resource of an organization uh, I support called Proven Ministries out of Lynchburg, Virginia. They have, we have teamed up with Proven Ministries, and we are now making the sex talk available to you, and you can access it through my website, thepuritycoach.com forward slash the sex talk. Again, that address is thepuritycoach, all one word, dot com forward slash the sex talk, all lowercase, all one word. You, you see, in this comprehensive video course, godly experts, teachers, Bible scholars, Present parents with the tools that are necessary so that as you're entering into this conversation with your kids, you have a clear, confident, ongoing resource to help you have this conversation, to to help you have the sex talk with your kids. This video series called The Sex Talk helps parents not only get equipped and, and, and gain the confidence to talk with your kids, but it also helps you to learn how to have an ongoing conversation with them. Not just a one or two timer, but but to have an ongoing conversation so that when they encounter the temptation, when they encounter the struggle, they, they have the confidence and the freedom to be able to come to you and talk because you've already been established. You, you, you've already established this conversation. And so this this video series helps parents not just not just know how to have the conversation but how to walk their kids through it on a daily basis. Not just to live pure, but to be pure, to stay pure. Within this video series, I mean, some of the things, why is sex such a big deal? When should I start the sex talk? How do I protect my kids from porn? Why are my kids so curious about sex? What do I do if my child's addicted? These are just some of the the videos that are in this course. Well, the sex talk video course is for parents let me reemphasize this for parents. It's not for the kids. You don't set your child down in front of this, this and have them watch it and listen to it, and then you talk with them. This is for you, the parent. And it's for parents with children, actually starting at, at, at age around six, seven, eight years old. The sex talk curriculum, listen, <laughs> it's a great first step. It's not, it's not the end all to beat all, but it's a great first step for parents who want to get a head start on this topic uh, this important topic, this critical topic, this this vital issue of sexual purity. The material contained within this video course has been designed for you as parents. And I want you to be sure to take advantage of a very special offer that's being given during the month of August. There's a summer special being offered in the month of August. And if you sign up through our website for this powerful course before August 31st, you will get 10% off the original purchase price of $99. This this subscription to The Sex Talk includes 13 videos from leading national experts 
uh, on psychology, biology, technology, and theology surrounding pornography. This, this course also includes discussion guides, prayer guides. There's an interactive parent chat room where parents can talk with one another, pose questions, and pray about the situations and, and get some counsel and answers. There's a parent's digital playbook for purity. There's so much available in this, this comprehensive course. And the beauty of this sex talk video course is that you, you can go as fast or as slow as you want. You've got uh, all these resources available to you, and, and it's, it's there for your taking, for your use. And, and it's also a great tool for a small group format, life groups, uh, small group of parents getting together and, and, and going through the series. For, it's great for a church to use. So, so please, if this sounds interesting to you, if you'd like to learn more, go to thepuritycoach.com forward slash the sex talk to learn more about this super relevant course for parents. Well, if you've not yet subscribed to this podcast, let me encourage you, do so today. I don't want you to miss any of our upcoming episodes. Well, until next time, this is author, speaker, and purity coach Steve Etner reminding you that if you're going to glorify God in your everyday living, he must first be glorified in your every moment thinking. <laughs>